I'm Lucy Kippist, editor of Flying Solo and co-host of this podcast with Robert Gerrish. Before I introduce our guest for today, let me tell you about Flying Solo's premium membership program. There's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of our membership, you'll get a full page listing directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of the Flying Solo book and much more, all for just $99. Head to our page to find out more. Justin Hooper is a man with a head for business and numbers, the managing director of Centennial Wealth, financial strategist, speaker and author. When it comes to his client base, Justin specialises in people who are looking to live meaningful and congruent lives and to date has advised well over 2,000 people as they navigate their way to greater success. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, Justin. Thanks, Gigi. Thank you for joining us. You're a man with a very interesting job because as I understand it, you're looking to help people basically live their best lives. Uh, in a recent blog post you wrote, um, you reflected on the years that you've spent helping people define and navigate their success. And in it, you mentioned that you've also developed a very clear idea of the type of person or the attributes of a person who will go on to have a successful life versus those who perhaps will struggle a little bit more. Um, that's what I wanted to talk to you um, most about today in the podcast. Um, Firstly, did you want to give us a bit of background on how you came to do the work that you do now? Yes, sure. Sorry. Um, uh, it came from a personal, my own personal life journey, actually. Um, it, pretty much everything we do with clients um, was through life's lessons. Um, and I won't go into all the detail, but basically um, I learned, I, 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 over, over the years I became more and more aware of what was going on for me, and I realized that that was really probably what's going on for many people, um, linked to a whole lot of study and, and understanding that I gained, um, in particular, a concept called the hero's journey, which, uh, is, which I find incredibly interesting. And, and our whole process is built based, basically on, on the hero's journey and, and my own journey. Mm-hmm. And how, and how, what, what's, I know that's probably not an easy thing to talk about or a quick thing to talk about, but what, what's the sort of basis of that, that story? Um, it's, um, I'll give you the, 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 the very, the very short summary. Basically, sure. as, as human beings, um, so as human beings, we're born, we're born in a state of purity. We're born authentic to who we truly are. There's no difference between our public persona and our authentic self. Right, as a child, as a, as a toddler, for example, this, you know, you know exactly what the toddler's thinking. Um, you know, yeah, pretty universal. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then what happens is, is that we have what are called painful experiences or, or otherwise known as a threat to life. So something happens. I mean, at a simple level, the toddler um, burns their hand on, on the stove and then that painful experience results in an innocent belief. So an innocent belief could be um, don't ever go near a stove and the innocent belief results naturally in another painful experience, and so the cycle of suffering um, begins. Mm. And, and generally, many human beings, as they grow into adulthood, um, remain stuck in the cycle of suffering, and, and that's why they end up um, often unhappy, and they think that money is the catalyst to break out of that cycle of suffering, and that's when the, what's called the capitalist myth kicks in. A capitalist myth is basically the, the myth that... Um, 
that uh, that money will solve those problems. Mm. Um, and that's, that's only just through the beginning of the, 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 the hero's journey, but it gives you an idea. Of the background. I was listening to a podcast today with Ariana Huffington, who was the founder of Huffington Post, and she talks about the third metric of life being well-being because we often yeah. tend to look at success and power as the only metrics worth considering, which is exactly what you're yeah. talking about there. But actually there's a whole other piece to life, thank goodness as well, that yeah. there is. Well, I'll give you a, another slight um, insight to that which seems to go along with what you've just said. Viktor Frankl, um, in his book Man's Search for Meaning, talks about um, how human beings need meaning in their lives and if they don't have meaning, they generally will revert to power and pleasure as substitutes for meaning. Mm. And obviously it's fuel, it's, 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 sorry, money, it's money that fuels uh, power and pleasure and, and what ends up happening is that the vacuum of not having meaning in your life is never filled by power and pleasure. Mm. And so it's never filled by, by money until you know what the purpose of that money is. Yes. So that's, that's why we at Sentinel Wealth could talk about building wealth on purpose. Is it like building wealth in alignment with your, your greatest values? That's basically. right. Yeah. So, that's right. And what drew me to the, the article that I wanted to discuss today was you talked about being with a group of fairly young um, sportsmen. I'm yeah. sorry, forgive me, I've forgotten how old they were. but Yeah, in their 20s. Tw- yeah. In their 20s. And you said standing there and, and observing them, even then you could see in amongst those personalities who was going to possibly be more successful than the others. And you identified five pretty significant um, aspects of their personality. And I wondered if we could just walk through those now because I think they apply to everybody. And obviously our our audience is uh, business owners, small business owners, startup business owners, people yeah. who are essentially backing themselves to go forward into life. Um, and so I thought those attributes would probably relate to them. So if we could start with the first one, you notice that even within that sort of younger age group that the people that stand out are noticeably ambitious from that age? Yeah, that's right. Um, what I've noticed about um, successful people generally is and you can see it when they're young, but you can still see it when they when they're older. Is that they they have high expectations. They set their sights um, high, mm. you know. And um, uh, so they often what happens is that um, all of us as human beings are are restricted by the environment in which we grow up and by the way in which people around us talk. And to break through those restrictions is what's, what I find is quite a big challenge. And, if, and, and people who are successful, they, don't, they are not restricted by the parameters of, um, of those around them. Mm. So if someone else was saying, no, 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 you can't do that, don't be silly, that person would automatically go, well, why not? Exactly. Well, they, 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 you know what they would – I came across a guy recently who's, who's – He's still in his 30s, uh, in his late 30s, but he's extremely successful um, financially, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know, way out of anyone's league almost. I mean, I'm, I'm totally unbelievably successful. And he told me that um, in his youth, he identified, he, you know, a lot of his friends um, weren't um, of the right caliber and, and, and placed restrictions on, on him, actually, and he just dumped them. Um, right. You know, he actually, you know, he had a, a, a partner in his life that, um, was quite a serious partner, and um, and this person told him that he was taking too much risk, and he, and and the, and the partner was placing restrictions. He dumped he dumped the partner. Wow! 
So, so that's a that's a pretty ruthless and extreme um, version. But the, the the point is still correct that you you need to get rid of people, uh, or not, or at least not be influenced by people who who place restrictions on your on your ambitions. Mm. So you know, those ambitions could be anything, by the way. They don't have to be around money. Mm. You know, they could be around playing rugby or something. And so, if somebody says, you know, um, you know, I, I want to, I want to play for the Waratahs or the Wallabies or whatever it is, you don't want people around you saying, "Well, you don't really have the ability." No, and we have a lot of people. We have a lot of people in our community talking about when they finally take the leap from having always been an employee to starting out on their own. So many of them say, my family tried to talk me out of it, my husband tried to talk me out of it, but I just didn't listen. Or I did listen, but I didn't take any notice of them. Exactly. So it's bad. You don't need it to be harder than, you know, in the hero's journey, um, one of the stages is is allies and enemies. And sometimes um, what someone who looks like an ally ally is actually an enemy. Mm, Yes. Because of exactly the point you make. Yeah. Interesting. So the next point then is related to that, obviously, but the successful person focuses on process, not just outcome. I think that's a really interesting distinction. Could you give us that definition or distinction? Yeah, it's, it's they, they get it right. So they, they, in other words, a simple example is, is um, um, you know, successful people have routines. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they know what's, what's required. They know what is going to make them successful. And they will establish a routine to ensure that they build into their daily lives um, habits that, that they know will lead to success. Mm-hmm. Now, that's an example of focusing on process, um, not on outcome, because they know the, pro- the, the, the outcome will follow. If you do the right thing, the outcome will follow. So, you know, if, you, you know, if you're going to be building a business or something, well, then you need to get the infrastructure right. You need to get the value proposition right. All those sort of things, and then then you, you find that suddenly you, you you're more successful than you thought you'd ever be. But actually, it's your process that's driving it. And do you think that's that's different um, to being very attention to detail focused or a bit of a perfectionist? Is that related, or is that a little bit different? Yeah, I don't. I think it's different. I think perfectionism isn't generally that helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, getting things done well is is obviously helpful but but you know you, you can't if you perfectionism is is where you lose sight of what's important mm. um so i don't think so it's not quite the same okay. getting the process right where it delivers the right outcomes um is important but that doesn't mean you need to be a perfectionist right the third point is successful people understand risk it's an inherent understanding yes you know, I went to Israel on a couple of trips in the last few years, and and one thing, you know, Israel is known as the, the startup nation, and um, there was one of the guys there who, um, uh, who was talking about um, failure. Well, there's a bit of a debate happening around failure, and and what I, what I took out of that, I think, sums up this point, and that is that there's no such thing as failure. There's when you're trying things, and it, and it doesn't work. Well, all that's happened is you've found one way that didn't work. You haven't failed. You've just found now you need to just try another way until you find the way that does work. So mm. risk is about um, accepting that everything you do is not going to always work. But as long as you learn lessons out of, it, uh, out of that and you just keep going, keep moving forward, uh, and, and if you get a learning out of everything that doesn't work, well, then that's positive. It's not a failure. But, but equally, you can't expect um, you know, a straight-line success graph, right? So it's got to be – you've got to accept it's going to be difficult, and, and that, so therefore that you've got to accept the risk. Mm. You've got to accept sometimes if you invest money 
um, in businesses or something, well, maybe it's, gonna, maybe it's not going to work. Maybe you lose money. Yep. So that's risk, not failure. I suppose it also comes down to knowing when to quit something. Like, oh, that's, right. that's not really working and knowing it's time to let go of that and, st- and start something entirely new as opposed to really hammering down and trying to make something work that's just not going to. That's right. And, and I mean, you, that's a very important point you make there. The fourth point is successful people trust others but not blindly. I find the whole idea of trust fascinating, especially in the context of business and money. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Well, there's no successful person in history, and I think I could say this in, in, a, um, in any time, in any place, in any field in history, no, success, no person's been significantly successful on their own. Mm. This doesn't happen, right? So you've got to have good people around you um, to be successful, but you also can't just, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people who, who, who have disasters and, you know, particularly you see these people who blow their investments up and then they end up destitute and they end up on, on television, some of yes. and you, and you look at what they've done and they've just had blind trust. They've just, you know, they've just put money into something without any understanding whatsoever. So you, you, you've got to trust people, but you've got to know what they're doing, basically what they're doing and why you trust them. You know, you've, got to, you've got to know at least the basics. Mm. Um, we talk about qualified trust. Um, so you've got to trust people, um, and, and if you pick the right people, then, then it's easy to do that. But equally, you've still got to know what they're doing. Yes. You know, they, can, they should be able to explain to you very simply what they are actually doing. And sort of so being sort of very transparent about their motives. And if they're not, exactly. have some caution. That's right. And if you know that, I mean, again, you make a good point. If, if, if you know what that person's motives are and you know that person at, at that level of detail, then you probably can trust them even more because you know what they're trying to do yes. for themselves. So that's what I mean by trust others but not blindly. Yes. The fifth point you made is that successful people are opportunists. So uh, where others face a situation where they're quite fearful, these type of people are very bold they face up to them. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, what normally happens is that the, the very success, over my career now, I've, I've noticed that um, that when, um, when when you know, there's that old cliche when I think it's a, it came from Buffett um, that when when um, when people are generally running for cover, these are my words, not his, but basically when people are scared. Be bold. I think those are his words. Mm-hmm. When, when others are scared, be bold. When when others are bold, be scared. Right, that kind of thing. So it's very difficult to to buy an asset which has done badly for somebody else, and to sell an asset that's done well for you. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what you're going to try and do. So you almost have to do the opposite of what you would like to be doing. If you and so 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 when that, being an opportunist means that um, you know you've got to be able to spot opportunities. Obviously that. So if, if prices fall of assets because everybody else is a seller, well, that's when you've got to be a buyer. Mm. And, and that's probably what's going to be happening in the next 10 years. I think um, there's, there will be plenty of opportunities and it's going to require courage. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and, you know, people are going to need to know what they're doing, but, but it's at that time that you have to be bold too. Well, that's excellent. You've, you've also listed in this article some other... Um, I suppose, uh, well, I was going to say attributes again, that might not be the right word, but parts of a personality that makes someone successful. And I, I won't list them all, but I 
the one of the ones that I found most interesting was that you said successful people focus on the returns after costs, not just on the costs alone, which I think is a really standout point for people in small business. Yeah. So, often what we, what we find is that um, that people get too focused on, on <clears throat> excuse me, on what the fees are that they're paying or the costs of an investment and in, instead of what they get to keep. You know, you, let's not worry about, oh, what I've noticed about extremely wealthy people is that they don't mind if, if um, they pay their advisors very well <clears throat> or if the syndicators of, a, of an investment are going to make a lot of money out of that investment. Um, very successful people don't seem to care about that. Mm. What they care about is, is what return they are going to get after all of that. Mm. You know, so they focus on the, on the, on the return after costs. Um, what, what, in other, you know, my, my language kind of thing is what do they get to keep is what their, their focus is. Nick, they think that that's going to be good because the, you know, the, the top line return is incredibly good, but, but the, the advisors and other people are going to do well too. They're quite happy with that. That's great. And is that something that you notice in people who haven't yet made their fortune? Is that an attribute of a successful person from the beginning? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, if you combine all the things that we've spoken about, they, they, um, it is one thing that they don't seem to worry about. Some, you know, people who, who believe they are going to be successful also understand and accept that the people they want to deal with um, are, are also going to be successful. Otherwise, they don't want to deal with them. So mm. they, they almost have this... this um, um, unspoken understanding that if, if you're not good enough to to generate a good return for yourself out of what you what you're charging me, well then I don't want to deal with you because you're obviously not that good. Yes. Right. So they surround themselves with successful people and they expect those people to do well. And it strikes me that um, the other two points I wanted to bring up that you mentioned were that these people are patient and also don't blame others. And before I get you to talk about those, I thought what stands out to me is there is a enormous degree of emotional intelligence running through a successful person in order so. for them to be able to observe these things. Definitely. Yeah. Um, emotional intelligence and the self-awareness, uh, they, they, they seem to, again, just my observation is they seem to really know themselves because they become students of, of their own, of themselves. Mm. And they, they they work out and understand what they're really good at, what they're not good at, what kind of people they need to have around them, um, and and how they react under in, in different circumstances. And they learn to then try they, they try and neutralise what they think they're not good at um, or their bad responses to things. Mm. Um, so that's what I've noticed with with them. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's um, you have a really interesting job, Justin, because I think you see such a, a broad section of personalities. Um, at a particular time in their life, I imagine. So it must be yeah. a fascinating thing. You must be getting a lot of lessons there yourself, learning a lot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you can tell what I find is, is when someone comes to us initially, it's, it's relatively easy to tell um, what this person's life's going to look like. Mm. Um, certainly financially, you can tell what, what it's going to be like. Um, it's not difficult. And often I find myself saying to people, look, you, you know, you're going to be fine with or without us. Um, all we can do is probably optimize your situation and um, and make it an easier journey. Mm. Which would be a wonderful piece of advice to receive, I'm sure. Yeah. So, Justin, thank you so much for your time today. I just wanted to alert our listeners to the fact that you actually write a weekly column um, called Thinking About Money for your website. Where's the best place for people to find that? Do you have the website there you can give me or I can just put it in? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it's um, at sentinelwealth.com.au and you'll find the, the um, a page that comes up automatically that people can just um, um, subscribe to the blog. That's wonderful. So it's Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. Thank you so much for your time today. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 